Welcome to the Better Call Daddy Show, the number one podcast where we admit no matter what happens, daddy has the advice we need to fix our problems. Introducing my dad, Mr. Wayne Friedman. That was good. It would be nice if you could also sing a song. What would the song be? You love Paris in the springtime. I just made up some words to it. I love Rena in the springtime. I love Rena in the fall. (laughs) That's right. That's good enough. (laughs) Oh boy. Let's dive in. Today we have Dilip. He was on the hit Netflix show, Indian Matchmaking, and he's here today to give us all the juice. Dilip, what's going on? So I am very curious about what you thought Indian Matchmaking was going to be and what it actually was. My expectations weren't that far off. I think it was definitely more of a reality show, you know, throughout the process of like casting and all that they kept referring it to it as a docu-series which you know I guess there's no host but I don't know it, just, it had more of a reality show vibe than a docu-series in my opinion. Had you ever been on a reality show before? No I never considered even doing it I think part of it was I was living in Seattle last year tough to move to a new city. I was lonely. You know, my friend sent me the casting call notice. And and part of it was also, in my mind, like Netflix was classier than Fox or The Bachelor. (laughs) I I was pretty confident I wasn't going to show up somewhere and they're going to trick me (laughs) into like the weird scenario. So now you're ready for The Bachelor? God, no. I don't think I'd ever do this again. I think the level of anxiety that it caused <laughs> up until like it came out, like once it came out and I saw I was portrayed like pretty well to like normal, <laughs> then that was a huge sigh of relief. You always hear the internet is a cesspool of hate, but it isn't until you actually start reading through the comments. So, you know, clicking on hashtag Indian matchmaking on Twitter Like, it's really eye-opening, just like the vitriol that's out there, especially for the other castmates. Everyone has very strong opinions. Can you tell me some of the hateful comments that you read? Luckily, I avoided the internet. I was very lucky, I think, you know, a few people call me weird, a few people thought I was gay, but apparently people are thinking like every, all the dudes on the show are gay. <laughs> Seeing the Aparna hate was very troubling. The females definitely got it worse. Aparna and I are still in touch today. We remain friends and the date was pretty different than it, how it was portrayed on the show. Yeah, so it's like a weird experience that I don't think I want to go through. (laughs) I can only imagine what it's like to be on like a more popular show like The Bachelor or, you know, where they take even more liberties with editing. (laughs) And I'm surprised people are so willing to go on that show, to be honest. I was on a makeover show in 2004. It was called Who Wants to Be a Soap Star? My mom, my grandma, my aunts, they're all like huge All My Children fans. So I thought it would be funny to get made over to look like a character on All My Children and tell them that like my grandmother and my mom and me are All My Children fans. But let me tell you, to get on a makeover show, they make you look way worse first. Uh, oh, interesting. That makes they're sense. like... You have to tell a story of how you've let yourself go and like put on some clothes that might be a little bit unflattering. Oh man, I have to look this up after this. 
Oh my goodness. Then I got my teeth bleached. Then I got a really nice mm. dress and a pair of heels. And mm. they took me to a Hollywood salon. And magically, mm. I looked much more beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the 80s movie montage, like the beauty montage, where like, the girl takes off her glasses and then does the ponytail. <laughs> there is some editing and briefing yeah. there. Tell me what it was like to have the cameras around you for the first time. That was the weirdest part throughout the show. It's 100 degrees in Houston. You know, we were on camera for like two hours, but you only see like, I guess, like two minutes of that. It was like a 100 degree day. It was humid. I was sweating through my shirt. I had some boob sweat, hence my body. If you notice, like my body, I'm a little hunched over trying to cover that up. And... You know, honestly, I think our on-camera discussion was pretty boring, which is why there wasn't probably much to show. Like, because we, we went out to dinner after the cameras were off, and that was like a much more natural conversation. On camera, you just sort of kept it superficial. They tell you not to talk about the show. So my first question was, how did you get involved with this Netflix show? And then a producer comes up like, and says, don't talk about the show. We can't use any of that. Uh, you know, I think they're limited in the number of hours they can film because it's like cast and crew. So they want to make sure they maximize that. But so once they said that, I think it sort of derailed the conversation into a little more like bland, boring discussion. Oh, at the end of the date, when I say I'm relaxed now that this is all over, I was talking about the cameras, not the partner. <laughs> you know, they edited to make it seem I was trying to get out of there as soon as possible, but that was definitely not the case. I've worked on a show where it was a husband and a wife and the husband got a work phone call. And so he went outside and they made that look like the husband and wife got into a spat. Some of that was unexpected. Like going back to your first question, like what the expectations versus reality were, you know, like I guess I knew in the making of a reality show, they look at the footage and come up with a narrative. You know, having seen the creator's first documentary, I'm not sure if you've seen that, it's called The Suitable Girl. It's more of a somber look at, at arranged marriages. Pretty depressing. After I watched that one, I almost pulled out. I was like, I don't want to be part of this institution. Because, <laughs> you know, in my mind, it was just me going on a date. I was not going to be, like, arranged married. <laughs> you know, that never crossed my mind you know they're like oh hopefully something turns into marriage and like just so you know like no way in hell am i ever getting married on tv that is just not going to happen but yeah i think for all the americans in the cast we took it much more casually for me i'm on the dating apps my radius is set to two miles and this was more just like another date except you know there's a matchmaker telling me that there's a match for me in houston what was your experience like with the matchmaker? Honestly, I think if you talk to most people in the cast, I think they've said this in other interviews, like the interaction with her was pretty minimal. I spoke to her at the end of the process for like, I had like a 15 minute video chat with her. As I was going through, you know, the Netflix casting and background check process, they had already brought up to me that there's a potential match for me in Houston that they wanted me to meet. Is that what Indian matchmaking is really like? I have no idea. Um, in India, like the traditional, like stereotypical view of it is 
it's a decision by the parents. The people getting married have very little say. You watch the entire series old school ways, something like what you'd see with like Akshay's mom and like the Indian stuff where the families were very involved. My parents were not involved at all, which is part of the reason I did it. You know, like growing up, my mom's always been like, you want me to find you someone? Like I can go find you a wife. I'm like, no mom, don't do it. It's like, just please don't. When this came across, I was like, okay, this is a way for me to sort of take control of this process exclude my mom from it. Traditionally, Indian matchmaking is very driven by the family. From the modern perspective, it is more like dating for matchmaking. I think instead of an app, there's a person that just puts two people together. Okay, so you said that you were still keeping in touch with other members from the show. Are any of them looking out for for you and trying to help you find a match? Not so much the other cast members. Like Everyone I've ever met in my life has reached out to me. I've been on two dates that were like set, quote unquote set up. So I think that's been interesting. That's like, everyone's like, oh, I have a girl for you because it didn't work out on the show. Those two dates didn't go that great, but yeah, it was a nice thing. It was like also interesting to see that, I guess this makes sense because I was on an Indian matchmaking show that all the girls, people that want to set me up on dates are with other Indian women, which I think, Normally would be problematic, but I guess because I was on the Indian show, it is not problematic. So I'll, I'll let that pass. What are you looking for? Someone that just like sort of in the same stage of life, you know, someone on the same page. Like I've lived in New York my entire life. I'm past all, all the partying and, you know, just like going out, trying to hook up, you know, trying to settle down and so on. So I think that's like, you know, being at the same stage of life, being ready to settle down. Sense of humor, intelligence, attraction, it definitely has to be there. Someone you can have like a seamless conversation with where it doesn't seem like it's work. Have you dated non-Indian before? Yeah, very much so. Since the show started, like I have been dating a non-Indian person since the show aired. I am open to all. Would your family accept someone that wasn't Indian? <laughs> I, at this point, yes. At this point, they just want me to get married. But I know when I was younger, they had very, you know, specific criteria of, you know, wanting to be like Indian, ideally Sindhi, Hindu. But now as I've gotten older, I'm 39 years old now, and my parents are just like, just get married. I don't care to who <laughs> I could be anyone at this point. So yeah, there's a I'm thing pretty... like Indian peer pressure. Yeah, there I and mean, there is like a big cultural pressure to get married and have kids. Yeah, it's definitely like a cultural pressure to get married and have kids. Most people of my generation, their parents were in arranged marriages. So I think it's expected. And then there's always like a weird thing like, oh, well, why isn't he married yet? Why isn't she married yet? What's wrong with him? What's wrong with her? <laughs> My mom got married at 18, and by 25, all of my family members were starting to conveniently have someone to introduce me to at family functions. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, and like, so I think part of it, so I'm Cindy, which is, uh, I guess, uh, they do a bad job explaining it of, on the show, but basically it's an area that is today Pakistan, but before 1947, it was all India. So when the British left 
and, you know, post-Gandhi protests and stuff. When the British left, they just drew a line across India and said, okay, this area is for the Muslims and this area is for the Hindus. Hindi people are, it's based on the geography. It's a valley, this in the valley. And so it had both Muslims and Hindus, but when uh, the Hindus were forced to leave their homeland, basically. So there is this diaspora of Sindhi people around the world. You asked, like, if my parents have a preference, if I met another Sindhi girl, they would, I think, have a heart attack from being so happy. Because <laughs> there is this idea of, okay, we have to keep this, this Sindhi Hindus alive. We have to keep the race going, <laughs> you know? I wonder if that's similar. Do you feel that's similar with, like, the Jewish culture? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, my mom's mom had five kids because she wanted to replace Jews that were lost in the Holocaust, right? And then yeah. my dad's mom also had six pregnancies and wanted to have as many kids as she could to continue yeah. on. I have four, which is way more yeah. than I ever thought I would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so I think, you know, most Indian couples have like two or three. I think there's rarely like an only child. <laughs> what are your thoughts on dowry? Is that still a thing? I think that's ridiculous. If it is still a thing, it propagates like the old regressive idea of like arranged marriage, where it's more of like a, you know, linking between two families. It's like a business transaction across two families where it shouldn't be that. It should be from love. You know, ideally you get married out of love and you know, there's no doubt. So I've heard that there's a difference between arranged marriage and a love marriage. Yeah. So my parents, that generation there were arranged marriage. The most more common thing historically in India has been arranged marriage, which is why you have to clarify it was a love marriage, right? Like when you say marriage, it's ambiguous, but I think most people would assume it's arranged, especially in the older generation. Which would you prefer? Even through the process that I went through, like I was viewing it as that. I just viewed it as a date. I wouldn't get married if it wasn't out of love. So you said that you went on a date with Aparna after? Yeah. So we were out for like five or six hours that night. It was about two hours on camera over drinks, and then we went out to dinner afterwards without camera. Was she able to relax? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Again, I think it might be the camera. It was a fun night. I'm, it was a great experience. I'm glad I did it. We've stayed in touch. This is a weird experience to go through. Most of the cast did not meet other people, but like I think since the show aired, people have had their own like encounters. You know, set up calls to talk about the experience. We have a private like Facebook group to talk about like some of the weird things. I'm super curious about the weird things that have happened. Yeah, and then it definitely has started a discussion about some of the problematic elements around, you know, capitalism, colorism, uh, sexism that exists within the community. But, you know, my perspective is, like, can't be mad at the show for depicting something that exists in real life. One person had a stalker who was trolling her family. The weirdest thing that happened to me was, like, well, I've been recognized on the street, even though I had a mask on. Ajit Pai, the chairman of the FCC, looked at my LinkedIn profile twice, so I guess that means he's a fan of the show and was stalking me for some reason. 
That's pretty cool. I mean, do you think you yeah. can leverage that for other opportunities? Probably not, because I, I reposted it with some insulting things to say about him because I do not agree with his politics at all. Usually if somebody stalks me on LinkedIn, I say mm-hmm. LinkedIn is for connecting and yeah. Facebook is for stalking. Like with the Indian reality show, it's the opposite because like I had like 5,000 views in the week it came out. Have you been connecting with people and having conversations like these? Depends on the person. <laughs> a lot of them I've ignored. If it seems like there is someone in common, I think we might have had a common connection, which is maybe why I accepted. But a lot of them t- tended to be like sales pitches, lots of like, I'm an investment manager, let me manage your money type of thing. So like a- after that, I just sort of ignored a lot of them. So what's next for you career-wise? So I'm currently interviewing for full-time roles. You know, I was working for myself during the COVID. Yeah, it's been crazy times as far as yeah. work and just uncertainty and all of that. The weird thing is, like, it might be a result of this show because it was a networking contact. Like, someone I had reached out to a long time ago, but it never got back to me. But then once the show aired, they're like, oh, right, I forgot to respond to you. <laughs> Oh my God, that would be a huge win. Yeah. Yeah, it's been an overwhelmingly positive experience for me. I don't know. I can't speak to other people on the cast, but it has definitely overall been a net positive. That's so amazing. Have you ever thought about like reaching out to any of these other like South Asian dating sites and seeing if like you could be the face of one of those? There is one Indian dating site called Dill Mill. Because D-I-L, like the first three letters of my name, uh, also means heart in Hindi. So there's a dating app around that. I have talked to them. I'm quote unquote partnering with them. So I have to film like some Instagram stories saying I'm on this app now and they've given me free VIP access. What about like Match.com or anything like that? Yeah, I don't know. They haven't reached out to me. I don't think I'm in their core demographic. I'm actually a J-Date success, so that's a oh. Jewish dating site. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm aware. I have, friends, I have friends that have met on that. What's really funny about J-Date is they did a success story shoot with us, and I just recently reached out to them. I was like, hey, I had J-Baby number four if you guys want to like do an <laughs> update story. Did they do it? They told me to, yeah, write a blurb and send them a picture. So I'm thinking about it. I was like, man, they'd be a great sponsor for the show. It's a family <laughs> affair. Yeah. Have you met people off of Tinder? But yeah, I've been on like all the apps. I'd say I have the most success with Hinge. I think that attracts maybe a more serious person than, you know, don't have much luck with Bumble or Tinder. It's funny because I'm around your age. I just turned 40, but like I've been married for 12 years and it was pre-app. Yeah, you're lucky. I feel like dating is not easy right now. Yeah, especially like with COVID times, you know, because you can't meet anyone in real life. But I also think it's amazing that you can do Zoom dates because that really helps you weed people out versus like going out to steak dinners. Yeah, no, that's, that's true. It uh, definitely saves money and time to do uh, a video chat for a first date. Luckily, I guess I have the show now so I can just have them watch the show and just be like, if you're still interested, text me afterwards. 
I love that. That's so funny. Like, you want to know what I'm like on a date? Just check out my episode. Exactly. Saves <laughs> me a lot of time. I just absolutely love the show. I binge watched it with my daughter. <laughs> yeah, we snuck down every night and watched it together. And yeah. she was so they, excited that I was going to talk to a couple people from the show. So, oh, does she want to get, get a matchmaker now? Um, she's nine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so not quite. Yeah. So uh, maybe in like 10 years or so. Yeah, maybe in like yeah. 10 years or so. I am definitely not ready for that. Cool. It's, yeah. Well, thanks for having me on and asking me to do this. I, I had a good time. All right. Have an awesome <laughs> night. All right. Thanks. You too. I cannot wait for my dad's response. Here we go. Very interesting conversation you had with Dillip. You've already interviewed a few people from this show and look how there's similarity that people want to be with people that have some humor, somebody you can talk to naturally. Obviously, you want to have some type of physical attraction as well to the person, but nobody really wants to be matched up. And yet again, they do want access to dating services, whether they, uh, I'm not saying they're being hypocritical, but they, they want to do their own choosing, and yet they want to have access to people's ideas of what right match would be for them. (laughs) But they wanted to be able to decide. I found that to be very interesting and how they would never think about going on these shows and would never do it again. And yet they still reap the benefits of the added networking and publicity that they got that makes their possibility of meeting other people it increases their odds and their popularity. That is interesting. I, I thought that that was a common thread through some of the interviews you've already done. Whether you're Jewish, whether you're Indian, whether you're Asian, whether you're some type of ethnic background where the old fashioned rules that were passed on, as I mentioned to you, like Grandma, Julia, we were given the conception that we live for not just ourselves, but for multi-generations, and that we're part of a continuance. And that's why all these cultures want you to try to, uh, that part of being happy, they think, is getting married and having children and having a full life of not only taking, but giving. And it's more important to give than to take. Unfortunately, some people have their priorities much different in today's age, where they want to take and not really give. (laughs) Oh, yeah, you know, some people like that. (laughs) Unfortunately, there's more takers out there than givers. But the right philosophy of life, because remember, we're only on this earth for a very short period of time, is part of making your mark is that you were able to help not only yourself, but help people around you. And to help further generations, you are actually going to score a lot more points on the scoreboard by being multifaceted rather than just being isolated and only doing one thing. And remember, when the job becomes the most important thing, what happens when you get older and that job doesn't exist and you don't have some type of good family or continuance of things that you like to do in your leisure time where you have hobbies and where you have communication with other people. Otherwise, it can be a very lonely life because at some point, 
the work runs out and you're all by yourself in a lonely corner and doing nothing else because you don't have any other things that you enjoyed in life, but to be part of the, the game of work, there's got to be more to life than that. And yet some people don't want to work at all if they had a certain amount of income or people keeping a flow of money to them. Some people uh, think that they can have just a good time their whole life and not necessarily feel the pressure of having to sustain some type of income or some type of job. I was thinking about the time where I took mom to the filming of a talk show in LA and she didn't realize that a one hour show could be four to five hours of taping if the host can't read a cue card and how she was ready to go and done with the reality TV experience. Right. A lot of people don't realize the amount of work and detail that goes into a job or a TV show or into even doing volunteer work, even at your local hospital. And all of a sudden you're realizing, oh my gosh, this is a lot more than I realized. I was thought I was volunteering to help with this. And they got me doing nine nine things I never even thought of. Life has many facets to it. And those that learn to be multifaceted themselves and have skills in more than one area, you, you hear in today's society, let's try to make uh, somebody just an expert on one thing. Well, isn't that funny? That person who's an expert on one thing and knows nothing about anything else might not really be an expert after all because they don't have any common sense about anything else. It's uh, a little bit off topic here, but the fact is, is that this young man, he tried to say that you have to keep to certain values and you got to try to marry someone of your own kind and you got to do this and you got to do that. And then all of a sudden the clock starts ticking where, wow, I'm 39 years old now. Now my parents have said, I don't give a darn who you marry as long as it's a nice person and you get married and have some kind of continuum in your life. Isn't it funny how priorities change at different points in our life as well? Today's episode is sponsored by Rin 10 Media. If you want to look and sound your best for a podcast of your own, you want to get in touch with Rin 10 Media. When I first contacted them, Better Call Daddy was just a twinkle in my daddy's eye. And now, only after a couple months in, we're at like 50 episodes. Reach out to info at ren10media.co.za and use the subject line, Better Call Daddy. Now you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and tune in. Add Better Call Daddy Podcast on IG at Rena Friedman Watts. On LinkedIn.com. Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy Show. Yeah.